Patriots has a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth. So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Greg Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sorry. At the Patriot Factor, it's Friday night, the 6th of October. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you today? And what is a cooler day, finally, in Nebraska? I'm telling you what. uh, Six days ago, it was 90 degrees here. Wow. Tonight, the low is going to be 28. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean to tell you, we we had a a warm front come through last weekend. Now we got a cold front coming down from the north. Thanks a lot, Canada. You know, what good are the Dakotas if they can't block a cold front? Well, actually, that cold front is going to reach down here to Florida. Good, you got it coming. Yeah, we're going to get all at night. We're going to get way down to seventy. I know, but that's enough for you guys to put on parkas. And boots. And gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of weather weenies. Uh, yes, but it's paradise. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I, I always joke that we have two weeks of fall. I think it's pretty much over now. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, it is going to warm up a little bit next week. It's going to be up around 70. Um, you oh, know, but, but that's we're, nice. Yeah, but we're definitely in that, that rapid cooling, uh, okay. you know, point of the year. So, you know, we've got that to deal with. But I'm excited because there's Husker football tonight. Friday night lights Husker football. Okay, I hate football, so I don't... Don't care if it's man-in-the-moon football. You know, you'd think as as lousy as the Huskers have been for the last 20 years, I wouldn't be all that excited about it. But I still love my Huskers. You know, so playing in Illinois tonight. I have no idea what the weather's going to be like there. It might be cold there, too. I don't know. Probably. It's, you know on the same level basically yeah yeah but uh friday night game odd yeah we've had a, a thursday night game already this year now we have a friday night game whoopee-doo yep so got that to look forward to folks we got a lot of stuff we got to cover tonight let's start out in california where they have something new diane going on in schools a new part of the curriculum for mathematics it's equity based math In other words, it is a completely stupid, moronic, and useless curriculum. Because math is math, numbers are numbers. There's no equity or lack of equity in a number. Uh, To me, 
equity math doesn't add up. And I'm I'm not saying that to be facetious. I'm just saying, (laughs) what in the world is equity based math? Well, does this have something to do with the curve that they grade kids on or what? Basically, basically, it also has to do with the fact that eighth graders, only I think it's 23% of California's eighth graders can do basic algebra. But that's not because of the teachers. It's because of the dumbing down of the curriculum. Well, I mean, if Common Core wasn't stupid enough, now they have equity-based math? Yeah, yeah. You have to be fair to the, you know, minorities. Math is math. It, it has nothing to do with anyone's race, color, anything. It's numbers. Numbers are universal. So this whole concept is just absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous, and leave it to California to, you know, log on to something as stupid as this. Well, as I understand it, it's not just California either. California is doing it, but apparently, according to uh, some actual mathematicians uh, and, and, you know, math professors in other parts of the country, this equity-based math crap is now starting to trickle out into other parts of the country as I understand it uh, there's a few places in the Midwest and even on the East Coast now that are looking at this and starting to adopt it now if this goes nationwide aren't we going to wind up with just a bunch of blooming idiots graduating from high schools We're already on that verge. Our test scores have gone down absolutely ridiculously because of the um, Trump slash Fauci, you know, shutting down of the schools and everything. Uh, But I can tell you one state this is not going into. Utah. Yeah, right. Florida. (laughs) Florida. No way will this be in Florida schools. We need to get back to the basics in our education system. Reading, writing, math, history, economics to some degree, science. We need to get back to what we all had as kids. Basics. We don't need this equity crap being thrown in children's faces. Because what they're actually doing with this stuff is they're creating... A bunch of racists. Well, well yeah. why are we catering to this group? Why aren't we catering to that group? Or why are we on the outs? They are creating, with all this nonsense, more hatred in this country, and they're reveling in it. Well, think, think of it. The, the Democrats. Yeah, think of it this way. Okay, uh, you're uh, a white kid in school. Okay, let's say you're in, in middle school. You're a white kid in middle school. You're going to get graded on your math test by one set of standards, while the black kid that's been sitting there next to you all year long, learning from the same teacher in the same system in the school, same school, all year long is going to get graded on a whole different curve 
simply because of the color of his skin. Exactly. Well, here's another farce about this. This proposal, the security math, says that if we give teachers better materials, they never specify what materials are, but if we give teachers better materials, it could lead to better motivation and a huge improvement in academic achievement, which is totally crap. What does wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking we're talking about math. If we give them better materials, what? If we give them better numbers, if we you know, number three is number three is a number three. I don't know, which number three is better than the other number three? If we give them better materials, what the hell materials? Well, what they're trying to do with this, remember the failure that is Common Core, was yeah. Common Core? This is sort of an adjunct to that. Well, we failed on that account, but we're not going to let it go, so now we're going to move to the next level. But the man who's spearheading a movement against this is an actual math professor meaning he teaches to you know higher level kids and he's saying we've got to go back to the basics because when our kids don't get the basics you can't move higher up without having a foundation in the basics well eventually they're going to dumb you know things like math and reading down to the point where students won't even be able to recognize a number or a letter, and they'll still get an A in class. And I mean, you know, but, you know, let's go back to that analogy I came up with here just a minute ago. You're you're the white kid, you're the black kid, the white kid gets graded on one curve, the black kid gets graded on another curve. The black kid could actually wind up with fewer right answers and get a better grade than the white kid. All because of his skin color. We have created, since Obama, a nation where someone's skin color matters more than anything. The content of the character and the smarts, if, if a kid has or doesn't have. If you have one skin color, you go into this equity math nonsense. If you have another skin color, well, maybe we'll put you over here. They are deliberately creating racial division in this country with these kind of programs. You know who should be really, really pissed at this? Black people. I would Black think people. so. And, and I'll tell you why, folks. Because what this, what a curriculum like this does, you know, where you're, if, if you're black or you, you're some off-white color, uh, you're graded on a different curve, and it's looser, and so you get a better grade. What they're telling you is, because of your skin color, you're an idiot. And, and they're going to change the way they grade you so you don't appear to be such an idiot, but you're still an idiot. That's what they're telling black people in this country. If I was a black person and I saw this coming around the corner, I'd be pissed as hell. Well, not only that. When these kids get into colleges through, you know, quotas and all that, they're never going to make it through college. And like I said, this crusade against this, it's being led by a Stanford University uh, math professor named Brian Conrad. And he's warned that equity-based math curriculum will lead to dead ends for students 
meaning the future jobs like in AI, advanced technology and this and that, they will never be able to enter those fields because they don't have the smarts to do it. Not because they might not be smart, but because they're not allowed to be taught to the best to bring out the best in each student, basically. Now, I'm going to disagree with one thing you said. This is not going to hurt them in college because the colleges are going to dumb their stuff down, too. This is not going to hurt those kids until they get in the real world. And the minute they get in the real world, uh, this this Professor Conrad is 100% correct. They're going to come to a harsh reality, really harsh reality. Well, let's put it this way. Private universities, the top-tier universities, are not going to buy into this stuff. Well, the, no. public univer- the public colleges and universities will, but the top echelon schools will not buy into this. Well, and, and excuse me, the kids that learn this crap coming up through grade school, middle school, and high school – They'll never get into the top tier universities because they can't. They don't get it because that the the opportunity to get it has been removed in their cases. You right. know, so it, it's and not, not of their doing, right? And no, it's got doing. no, it's got nothing to do with them. They might actually have been smart enough in in many cases. I say in a lot of cases. If, if they were allowed to do what they need to do to learn math properly, right? I'd say a whole lot of them would be more than capable of doing it. The fact that they're not, and the, the fact that they're not being taught reading at a proper level. You know, most kids in this country today are not reading at their grade level, much oh, less absolutely. doing math, you know. When they go to apply for colleges and take a college entrance exam, they're going to fail miserably. They won't even get into those upper-tier colleges. No, they're not going to get into the upper-tier colleges because those you're talking about big money schools. They'll still get into private colleges and universities under quota systems. And if you think that's and, gone away, you're horribly mistaken. And that's wrong, too. Exactly. It should be merit-based. It should be a, a meritocracy. If you've got the, the smarts and the intelligence to pass the test and, and do well all the way through school, you should be able to get in to, to any of these colleges. But when you have a quota system, again, that's telling black people in this country, you're too stupid to get in there on your own, so we're going we're gonna, to rig the system so you can get in the only well, job these people are going to the, well, wait a minute the only job these kids are going to be able to get in a rigged system like this is working for dominion voting machines <laughs> well i'll go one step further i don't think any applications for anything whether it's for employment or whether it's for colleges or universities or any kind of employment should you have to list your race your ethnicity, your religion, or anything personal. All you should have to list is your name, your address, are you legal, not legal, Um, uh, you know, that type of thing. Show proof of who you are, 
proof of, of where you claim you, you live, basic information only. I don't think anyone has a right to ask somebody their ethnicity, their religion, or anything like that. Because right, right. away when you do that, you're, okay, we got this person black, this person white. Oh, let me check the numbers. We need more black, so sorry to the white guy. Or vice versa. Right. You sh- everything should be based on merit and ability alone. You know, the quota system is so stupid, but unfortunately expanding. Do you oh, know, yeah. for instance, I, I might be a rhetorical question, might be, but do you have any idea what the quota is on jars of mayonnaise getting into Harvard now? Did you make it? I, I didn't know. Did. You always say that's your favorite pronoun. <laughs> that's my favorite gender is a jar of mayonnaise. Yes. Um, but you know, if you're if you're doing quota systems for skin colors, it's only a matter of time before you do quota systems for jars of mayonnaise and you know whatever other gender. You know, I mean, this is getting ridiculous. It is. We need to go back to true education, reading, writing, math, science, history, economics, civics, I mean, basic core studies. We need to throw out all this crap, this women's study, these gender studies, the this studies, that studies. That doesn't do you a damn bit of good in real life. You know, you know what a gender studies class is, and then we're going to move on to the next thing. The proper test in a gender studies class is look inside your underwear, and if you can identify what you see, you pass. <laughs> I mean, for, for the love of God. It is coming to that. It um, is coming to that. I understand uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, his campaign is going to contrast his leadership style uh, to the style of, use your air quotes, leadership currently available in washington dc um this is this this could be very funny yeah well basically what governor DeSantis said after the ouster of speaker mccarthy was that uh, the republican party today just can't govern and he's a hundred percent correct because that was a total fiasco here it was you had Every Republican, except eight, Matt Gates and his crew, voting to keep the Speaker. But those eight went over to the Democrat side and voted against one of their own. In other words, the Republican Party, as it stands today, is a complete and abject failure. This is why, if we don't get the right person to the be- to be the nominee, if we don't get our act together, we're going to lose the House, the Senate, and the White House. It it could be a bloodbath. Exactly. I'm predicting it will be a bloodbath if things go as we're expecting. You know, (laughs) right? I'm a Republican. You're a Republican. Mm -hmm. Right now, I don't think either one of us would put the Republican Party in charge of a one-car parade. Well, the difference is, you know, um, I'm a constitutional Republican, meaning that for me the rule of law goes by the Constitution. 
the Republican Party, except for certain people like DeSantis and some other, you know, true constitutional governors, um, people don't care about the Constitution anymore, even on our own side. Because if they did, Matt Gates wouldn't have pulled the stunt that he did. Well, that's true. And it, it's really gotten to that point. Now, what DeSantis is going to do, uh, and Trump still will not debate him on one-on-one because he's afraid, um, he's going to compare and contrast over the next few weeks how successful Florida is because of certain policies that he helped put in place as opposed to the stagnation that's now going on within the Republican Party. We don't have the guts to fight back on anything. No, and I'll tell you what. Anybody that's been paying attention for any amount of time could see this coming. Because... You know, it's been a steady downhill slide uh, for the GOP. Um, You know, you you look at the two parties. You got the the Democrats and and the Republicans, right? And Mm -hmm. no matter how inane, no matter how stupid uh, the bill or the act or, or, you know, whatever the case might be, no no matter how repugnant it is, how much harm it's going to do. And and in most cases, these liberal-backed bills are transparently harmful. Right. The liberals will all get on one page and vote in lockstep. And we, you and I have been talking about this for years. Mm-hmm. Okay? We, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times we've brought this up on our show, in our, in our various blogs. Um, the Republicans, on the other hand all have a different idea. They're all going off in a different direction. Getting the Republicans on one page is like herding cats on crack. Well, to me, I kind of think that DeSantis said it best when he said, D.C. politicians cannot govern. All we see is chaos and political theater with a total lack of leadership. And that was proven on Tuesday night. A rogue group of eight was able to throw the parties, all the other Republicans, was able to throw the party-chosen leader out. In Matt Gaetz's uh, case, it was more of a vendetta than anything, and the others just went along, the other uh, seven. I, I gave the numbers on Tuesday night show. I'll do it again. Okay, because I think people need to hear this and understand it. You know, you talk about eight uh, Republicans joining the Democrats. That is literally 4% of the House. Those eight represent 4% of the the Republicans in the House. Mm -hmm. That means 96% of the Republicans in the House wanted to keep... uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, in in the chair. 4% did not, and the 4% won. Now, the way I look at it, and maybe maybe this is equity math, but the way I look at it, when you let 4% ride roughshod over the other 96% in your own party, 
That is the political equivalent of a monkey humping a football. Well, what it actually is, is you have six individuals or eight when it was all done. You have eight individuals with an R next to their name who, as far as I'm concerned, now have a D next to their name. They accused McCarthy of working with the Democrats to get that stopgap bill when they what they did was one million times worse. They voted with the Democrats against not only their party, but one of their own. Those eight and Matt Gates, they're seriously, you know, thinking of trying to get him removed for the chaos that he has caused. And that's one thing that DeSantis is going to start bringing out is that everything that's done in Florida is done without chaos because the right person knows how to delegate responsibilities, take responsibilities, and lead. We do not at this point have a leader anymore. Not on the right side of the aisle. No, not a true leader. And I don't want to hear the nonsense, oh, Trump is our leader. No, No. Trump is a divider. We don't have a true leader yet because of the division within our own party and because of people like Matt Gates who were, were able, he was basically able to hijack the party. Well, and I wonder what kind of wheeling and dealing was going on behind the scenes because you know Matt Gates didn't get the other seven to go with him without promising something. Well, even worse than that, Matt Gates started the day after, started fundraising off his success at throwing McCarthy out. I, Disgusting. You, know, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. You're from Florida. He's from Florida. Right? How is that going to fly in his re-election campaign? Now, I understand that there are going to be some only Trump voters that are going to pour money into Gates's campaign. Mm-hmm. But how, you know, and, and but those are PACs and those are those are big money donors. How are the voters at large in the state of Florida going to feel about Matt Gates when it comes time to cast their ballots? In 2024. The problem is the district he represents is in northern Florida, and it has not had a Democrat in office in that particular county in over 70 years. It's a small county, but it's diehard red. And unless Matt Gates gets someone to run against him, he will keep getting reelected just because of how the county how the county is. I'll tell you, if I lived up there, I'd run against his ass. I, I wouldn't that be, man is no Republican. I wouldn't be surprised somebody steps up and tries to primary him. I I hope they do because he is not by any means. He calls himself a conservative. But he's not a constitutionalist. And as far as I'm concerned, being a constitutionalist is more important than being a conservative. 
I agree. Because if you're if you're not a constitutionalist, if you do not stand behind support and live and govern by the Constitution, being a conservative doesn't matter at all because you're throwing the Constitution out. If you're not a combination, maybe, of both. Matt Gates. Matt Gates is a Trump wannabe. He's a real nice guy. I have met him at rallies. He, he's very nice when you speak to him. All smiles, toothy grin and all that. But this stunt that he pulled now. And McCarthy was not perfect by any means. But he was not as bad as Gates made him out to be. Right. And I think DeSantis can capitalize on this. I I, I think... I think Ron DeSantis, when when he starts drawing direct comparisons, compare and contrast between mm-hmm. how he's handled the situation in Florida, because he's come up against some really tough votes uh, in right. in uh, Florida, and he's done some things that you know use your air quotes are controversial, right? But right. he he manages to get them through because he's a team builder. And, and, and he gets he, he gets the Republican Party on the same page. Not only that, he's a big proponent of bipartisanship. Remember, we have a House and a Senate here where, you know, we've got Democrats and Republicans. He is get, able to get things done because he is willing to work across party lines if it's in the benefit of we Floridians. And he's very very successful at that well it's it's going to be interesting now before we go to break because we need to do that but i just want to mention to folks that next week you've got an article coming out about the whole mccarthy thing oh yeah oh yeah Um, and part of it's going to surprise people because it surprised me a little at first but after doing research i understood certain reasons for things but uh, the bottom line is, I hope they do throw Matt Gates out of the house. Well, keep keep looking for that, folks, because it's going to come out on Monday in mm-hmm. Diane's blog, <clears throat> thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. You'll also be able to find the link to it on rspradio1.com. But that said, we've got to take our bottom of the hour break. We're halfway through the show, folks, but there's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com.
Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of tonight's show, go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button. You can listen to the whole of this show or the whole of any others. Mm-hmm. You can spend your whole weekend listening to Right Side Patriots. Well, that would be kind of boring. <laughs> well, I don't think so. We're pretty good. We're pretty good, but I think, you know, you can only take so much of us because we don't well, hold anything back. I suppose too much of a good thing. Yeah, you know, And we are not politically correct. No, so, you know, you, you, may not, you may not want to share it with the politically correct crowd, but then again... Maybe you should, you know. Maybe you should uh, should share our Podbean podcast link to the politically correct crowd because they need to loosen up a bit. They need to grow up and uh, understand some truths. That's right. Um, here's here's probably the weirdest story of the day. Okay, Joe Biden has appointed. Somebody to protect the whistleblowers, okay? Because you know, there's there's been all this talk now. These whistleblowers are coming out. You know, as a as a as an example, the whistleblowers that came out against Hunter Biden, right? Mm-hmm. And they've gotten threats and and all sorts of things. So Biden figures, well, maybe we should have somebody whose official job it is is to protect. The whistleblowers. Diane, who did he choose? He actually chose someone that uh, dear old Hunter, uh, when he was with a particular law firm, they were involved with the energy company Burisma Holdings to serve as special counsel. In other words, what he's doing was he is taking Hunter's friend, and putting him in that position. So let me, <coughs> the man that worked alongside Hunter to do all his dirty deeds and things, that's who he's nominating for that position. All right. So let me, let me just see if I've got this straight. <laughs> Joe Biden has picked Hunter Biden's former law partner who helped engineer all the Burisma crap that the whistleblowers mm-hmm. are blowing the whistle on to protect the whistleblowers 
who are blowing the whistle on Hunter Biden. Right. Is that, do I have that about is, right? You've got it right. The man's oh, name is Hampton Dillinger, kind of apropos there. Um, and, and actually what it is, is this Office of Special Counsel works to protect whistleblowers and deals with potential Hatch Act violations. Oh, for God's sake. Now, if approved, this buddy-buddy of Hunter Dillinger would lead that office. This man should uh, just automatically been, you know, be kicked out of the running. Uh, first of all. Never trust anybody whose first name is Hampton. Okay. <laughs> because that's the kind of person that's like, Muffy, shall we shall we go to the show tonight, Muffy? Why, well, yes, Hampton, we should. What he's doing is he's hoping that this man can protect his, you know, wayward son. That's what it boils down to. Uh, I hate to break it to Hampton, Hampton, but the laptop has already been made public. There's not a whole lot of protecting that's going to go on at this point. No, there isn't. There isn't. (laughs) I mean, this whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. Does Biden really think he's going to get this passed? Well, here's the hope. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my liberal. Uh, you know, paper hat here. Get this guy in there to quote unquote, protect the whistleblowers. And what this guy can do from his official position is then intimidate the whistleblowers. Right. You know, I mean, listen, Mm -hmm. if, if you had a whistle to blow against Hunter Biden and this idiot Hampton Dillinger was, uh, was the guy that is, is assigned to protect you. Would you go to Hampton to blow the whistle? No. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. This whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. But you know what's worse, Craig? The bottom line is, in the end, Biden will pardon Hunter. A- absolutely. But... Nothing embodies the old analogy of putting the fox in charge of the hen house more than this does. I know. <laughs> and they they don't care. They know we know, but they also know that the Republicans in leadership positions don't have the guts, the fortitude, or the courage to fight back. They acquiesce on everything. Uh, well, and, and that's, yeah. That's just part of what we were talking about in the last segment. Okay. So now I, I got the, I got the whole thing straight about this, this guy Hampton, right? Mm-hmm. Let me, let me just see if I've got the other part of this straight. Okay. Joe Biden has nominated Hampton Hunter's friend who helped him engineer all the Burisma nonsense and malfeasance mm-hmm. to protect whistleblowers that come out against Hunter. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, this is the, the coup de grace here. And the guy that's prosecuting Hunter Biden right now 
on the gun charge is the same guy who wrote the sweetheart deal to get Hunter off of everything. Yep, you got it right. Are you following along, folks? (laughs) This is the most crooked administration I I think we've ever seen in any of our lifetimes. And they're getting away with every single thing. But you know where this getting away started with? There was a certain man that promised he was going to clean all this up. Yeah. It never happened. Never happened. You know, it's only a matter of time right now, Diane, before Janet Yellen quits and Joe Biden nominates George Soros to be the Secretary of the Treasury. (laughs) I'm just just saying. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't that be, you know, a kick in the head? I mean, these... I thought some of Trump's picks were bad. Biden's picks actually make Trump's bad picks look palatable. Well, there's a big difference between a bad pick and an absolute disgustingly corrupt pick. True. There's a world of difference there. Trump made some bad picks, you know, and a bunch of them, but they were bad picks. Right. You know, but when you when you put the guy who wrote the sweetheart deal for Hunter in charge of prosecuting Hunter and then nominate the guy who helped Hunter create the malfeasance at Burisma in charge of protecting the whistleblowers that come out against Hunter, that's corrupt. Totally, totally and completely corrupt. But you know what? If you're a Democrat and you're corrupt, it's okay. But if you're a Republican and corrupt, you get the book thrown at you. At the very least. At the very least. And this is has been going on for some time now. Will continue to go on until we get the right Republicans in charge. Not just any Republican, but the right Republicans. Ones who have the guts to do the right thing. Well, let's let's talk about that for a moment because early today, Trump came out and in, made an endorsement for a new Speaker of the House and fully endorsed Jim Jordan. Now, okay. the 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 whole Trump thing aside, because I I I can't for the life of me understand why Trump thinks he has to come up and and pipe up about. Uh, and then, you know, and provide an endorsement for a Speaker of the House. That, that, that to me, and we'll, we'll get into that here in a minute. But I think Jim Jordan, honestly, would would be a great Speaker of the House because I think he's got the ability to herd the cats and get all the Republicans in the House of Representatives on one page. Okay. Now, I I think Jim Jordan is absolutely terrific. What he does with his investigations, how he handles them, he's no nonsense. I think Jim Jordan is absolutely fantastic. He is fantastic in that position. And I'm afraid, though, if he does become Speaker of the House, we're going to get some wishy-washy know-it-all 
in the position that Jim Jordan was in. If I personally was Jim Jordan, here you have to play a little politics because Steve Scalise also wants the position. Personally, I want Steve Scalise because, don't get upset people, because I don't want to lose Jim Jordan in the position he now is in and what he does. We will lose him there if he becomes speaker. And Steve Scalise, as far as I'm concerned, is just as good a Republican, a constitutionalist as Jim Jordan. So Jim Jordan, in my opinion, should stay where he is and Scalise should go into the speakership. But back to the whole thing with Trump. Yesterday, he even said if they needed him, he would fill in as interim speaker. Oh, please. I got news for you, Donnie. We have an interim Donnie? speaker. Donnie, you're on that kind Donnie. of a name basis with yeah. him now. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have an interim speaker. What I don't get, and if I was Jim Jordan and I still, you know, really want that position, I would not take anyone's endorsement, not Trump's, nor any candidate running, because they have no say in the vote. And Trump opens up his mouth so many times, he needs to learn to shut his mouth. He had no right saying, oh, I'll step in if if they ask me to. Nobody's asked him to, but he's making it like they did ask him to. And now as far as Jim Jordan, and Jim Jordan is a Trump supporter, which is well and fine to each his own. But I don't think he understands what's going to happen if we lose him in the position that he excels in. Well, I, I, I think he does. I think he understands that. Um, I, I 100% agree. Trump should never have opened his mouth, you know, on an endorsement or anything else to do with speaker. If the, if the press came up to, as you call him, Donnie, uh, Donald Trump and said, you know, who do you think should be the speaker of the house? The proper answer would have been, it's not my position to say that's up to the members of the House. Right. Oh, by I mean, the way, if you if you don't like Donnie, I can call him Donald Duck. <laughs> well, okay, Chris Christie. Suddenly, I, I started the show with Diane. Now I got Chris Christie on the other end of the line here. Um, you know, I, you know. All I'm saying is, you know, the the, the proper response would have been, "It's really not my call." Uh, you know. If if I get elected president, I'll work with whoever the speaker is. But you know, the choosing a speaker is not up to me. Endorsing uh, somebody for speaker is kind of pointless. Uh, I'll leave it up to the house. You know, I mean that would right. that would have been the proper you know way to go about that. But you know, Donald Trump can't do that because Donald Trump's all about Donald Trump, and he's more important than anything. So you know, yeah. that's that's one of those things. Now I think you know. Look, I don't disagree with you that that Steve Scalise would be would also be a great speaker of the house. Mm-hmm. I I just think Jim Jordan has a way of cutting through the crap. I think he could not only uh and and I, I'm not saying that Scalise couldn't do this, 
But I think Jim Jordan would, would probably have a little bit of an edge, not a big one, but a little bit of an edge on this. He could get the Republicans on the same page by explaining things to them and then turn around and explain it to the American people in a way that the American people could understand what was going on. But what now, happens to his position Well, I, I, you know, that, he, that he holds now where he kicks butt all over the place? I, I Who's understand. going to take over that I, position? I have what, no Matt idea. Gates? I, I, no, it won't be Matt Gates. Um I have no idea who would take over that position, but I applaud Jim Jordan for saying, look, we've got a huge problem in the House of Representatives right now. We're not on the same page as a conference. You know, the Republican conference is all over the place. Nobody is, you know, showing a backbone here to get everybody back uh, together and voting uh, the, the way things need to be voted on and doing things the right way. I applaud Jim Jordan for stepping up and saying, I can get people on the same page. I've been doing it my whole career. I, I can get this going. You know, I, I applaud him can. for doing that. You know, and he it, can. Frankly, I don't really care which one of them gets it. I, I, think, I think Steve Scalise would be great. I think Jim Jordan would be great. Right now, if I had to handicap the race, I would say Jim Jordan is probably the odds-on favorite. Well, I, I think so also, and I, I I really like Jim Jordan, but I think him doing this now, I don't think is a good idea. I think it should be Steve Scalise, because he has a little bit of a different temperament than Jim Jordan, and it works very well, his temperament, and when he does, his no-nonsense straight on approach but i think when you're speaker that you need more of the temperament of a steve scalise their politics are the same so we're dealing with the same two good individuals but i also think that jim jordan at this point can come on a little bit too hard maybe and I, that I might turn some more moderate Republicans and independents off a little bit, where Steve Scalise wouldn't. However, I support either man yeah, I getting mean, the speakership. I don't care which one it is, but I think under this condition, I think Jim Jordan is making a mistake because we need him doing what he's doing. I, I understand that. But we also need to get the Republicans in the House to understand they got to be working towards one goal. And, yeah. um, you know, and some of those people, I, I agree, Steve Scalise has a little bit different leadership style, maybe a little bit uh, more even-handed or even-tempered. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I'll tell you, some of those idiots like Matt Gates need an ass-kicking. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, don't be don't be so surprised that he does not get it from Jim Jordan because remember, both men are diehard um, Trump supporters. Uh, yes, and but, they have that commonality. Yes, but uh, when it came down to the whole McCarthy thing the other day, Jim Jordan took to the House floor and spoke in favor of keeping Kevin McCarthy on as Speaker. Exactly. 
You know, right, so, and I think he would be great. You know, I think he's, he would be great. He's not as far up uh, Trump's butt or Matt Gates's butt as a lot of people might think. Yeah, he supports, you know, Jim Jordan supports Trump. But, right, um, right. you know, when it, when it came, you know, to the House and doing what was right, Matt, uh, Matt Gates did what was wrong. Jim Jordan stood up with what should have been the right thing to do. So I don't right. know. It's going to be interesting that all, they're all at home right now mm-hmm. and they're, they're working out, you know, details and this and that. There's going to be a whole bunch of speechifying. Uh, on the floor of the House coming up on Tuesday, and then the vote for the speakership is tentatively set for Wednesday. And I think they'll have it on we- on Wednesday. I just hope they have it in a first go-round, whether it's yeah. Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise. Both of them would be fantastic. I just don't want to see this dragging on for 15 votes. Yeah. But with that... I'd like to make a public service announcement. Okay, you got a couple to, minutes here. To all the child rapists and pedophiles out there. You think they're listening to our show? Well, maybe their families are. Okay. You rape a child here in Florida. As of Monday, I believe it was Monday, you do that here. Thanks to Governor DeSantis, you are eligible for the death penalty. Oh, what Thanks a shame. Governor DeSantis, and that's what I mean by leadership. You know, that's how you, that's how you clear out some riffraff right there. Yep. You know, and, I, and I, I'll just say this. I, I do local news for Nebraska and South Dakota on a terrestrial radio station every single day. And I'm not making this up every single day. Except got Sunday. A, except Sunday. But every day I do the news, I've got at least one story from Nebraska and at least one story from South Dakota about some piece of crap sexually abusing a child. Not here in Florida anymore. You are going to be fried. Well, and, and, and the reason I think a lot of it is so prevalent now around the country is because States aren't taking a hard line approach to the people that get convicted of it. Thankfully, our governor is. Thankfully, Ron DeSantis is once again showing the rest of the country how to handle this kind of crap. Exactly. You know, I mean, how many times? How many times over the last several years have we seen Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida enact a, a bill or a piece of legislation? And then we see other states look at it and go, yeah, that makes sense. And then they'll do it, too. So hopefully right. this will cause a trend. Right. But, you know, so long people have been uh, saying we need to do something about the child rapists and, and all of that that's going on. Well, finally, there is somebody in this country that's doing something about that. A lot of people talk. They want child rapists put to death, and they deserve to be. But finally, here in my state, that is now reality. You know, somebody is sure to challenge the thing in court, but I will just about bet it's you any already amount passed. of money. It's, they can I, challenge it all they want. I, it's I, already I, passed, and I, it's I, in I, effect. I, I understand that, but laws get challenged every day. 
that are already passed and already in effect. And all I was saying was that somebody is going to challenge it in court, and I'll bet you anything the law holds up in court. In this state, it will. Yep, I'm just saying. Well, I know it's a couple of minutes early, Diane, but what do you say we wrap it up for the week? Okay, Star Trek awaits me. Nebraska football awaits you. So, nighty-night, folks. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll catch up with you again on Tuesday. Bye-bye, everybody.